I'm Clayton Horwitz. With Ben Abraham. And this is episode 69 of Hockey Topics, the ultimate NHL podcast. With every playoff series, we will bring you the latest in hockey from the perspective of teenage sports fanatics. Feel free to tweet us at hockey underscore topics or contact us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash hockey topics. Every series in the playoffs will go over 10 of the latest NHL topics along with segments segments showcasing best of the previous playoff round. And round two has just wrapped up in the 2017 Stanley Cup playoffs. We have gone from four series down to two. And we are going to talk about all those series that just happened, the ones that are coming up, and any news in between. We're going to cover it all today. It's going to be a lot of fun. So before we break down any of these series, we're going to start off with our best game of round two segment. So it's real specific. We're going to break down... An individual gain that we thought was just outstanding in round two. Okay, so my best game of round two happens to be Ducks-Oilers game five. So in Anaheim, the Oilers have a 3-0 lead, and there's just a little bit over three minutes left. And then the Ducks score, so I think it was like Cam Fowler or something scored. And it was like, okay, yeah, they got one on the board before they take the L, and then they're going to lose. And I'm in the next day. So... Then the Ducks score again, and it's 3-2 with like a minute left. And, oh, it gets interesting now. And then it's a scramble in front of the net. The puck comes loose, and I believe it's Ricard Raquel who scores to tie the game with 15 seconds left. And then Corey Perry wins the game in overtime. So an unreal comeback. Uh, One of the greatest comebacks in playoff history. And, um, yeah, so that was just unreal. Oilers come and they just like abused the Ducks seven to one in Game Six. I mean, Peter needs to put a stop to that. That was animal abuse. Either way, uh, the Ducks lost the series. Any or the uh, Oilers lost the series, and the Ducks finally, after four tries in a row, winning Game Seven at home. Well, glad that finally happened for him. It did take quite a while. My best game of Round Two goes back earlier with the Senators and the Rangers Game Two. So for the first two periods of this game, the Rangers were on top of the Senators the entire time. They were out hustling. They were out shooting. And going, finishing the second period, they were up 4-2. to two. But going into the third period, the Rangers scored another goal while Ottawa scored three. Very quick goals in the, la- in the back half of the third where they take it to overtime. The first overtime remained scoreless, but Ottawa scored within three minutes of the second overtime. So all those fans watching could finally go to sleep. And the Senators took what was a crucial win in the series, making it 2-0, to zero, which was a much-needed boost that prop that definitely helped lead the Senators to how their series went, which we will talk about a little bit later. Yep. But and, uh, overall, yeah. I mean, we had a lot of great games. We're going to talk about all these series. So topic number one here is Blues versus Predators. I'd say the, the series that ended the earliest, I believe. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with this one first. The Predators took this series in six. The wild card phenomenon is coming through and just knocking out every team in the Central that it can find. Yeah, and uh, still the only team to be defeated on home ice. And this is the first time in their history that they are going to the uh, conference finals. So, I mean, I guess... I'm mad it's not the Hawks, but I'm also not mad because at least they didn't get knocked out by the Blues. And, um, I mean, the Predators, you could feel it. They were coming off of the momentum from beating the Hawks. The Blues knew they got absolutely trampled in the series and were lucky to even come out 
you know, of the series alive. And, um, I mean, the Predators were just, again, once again, overwhelming in this series. Pucks on net, bodies to the net. And the activation from their blue line as well. Guys like Ellis were definitely making a huge mark on the series, as well as Subban for sure. And um, just the the contribution from the Predators' blue line is definitely a key. Yeah, the Preds have had success. some amazing defense in this series that they took in six games. Now, I, like you said, it was just it was a lot of momentum that they had coming in. Something that I said last episode when you picked the Blues and I picked the Predators, and I was right. Whatever, I just whatever. <laughs> but. P.K. Subban has really emerged as a captain throughout this uh, throughout these playoffs. I feel like during the regular season, obviously he was P.K. Subban, but he was still fitting into the Nashville organization. I feel like this playoffs, he's really clicked with his team, and he's taken a leadership role, and now they're all, I feel like collectively now, the Predators are playing harder than they've played all season, and it's, and it's paying off, you know, like... They just kind of build off the energy from each previous game, even if they did lose a couple, and they they lost two in this series, but they bounced back immediately and ended up taking out the Blues, which, I mean, I was kind of hoping that would happen because I really didn't want to see the Blues advance too much farther in the playoffs, and that is exactly what happened. So congrats to the Predators, who is ha- it looks real promising for them, I think, going forward. The fact that they've been able to play as well as they have against Central Division teams probably is saying a lot. Yeah, and um, I just want the, the Predators to go to the Stanley Cup Final because that would be cool. You know that what would I mean? be interesting. Because they're a like... wild-card team. They're technically an eighth seed, and if they can pull off a, a 2012 Kings, that would be ridiculous. But they're probably going to have to play the Penguins, and I do... Like, overall, want the Penguins to repeat. So just so that the Red Wings aren't the last team to have a repeat in the NHL. You know what I mean? I think we'll talk about that later. I definitely have some conflicting viewpoints there. Well, we'll my viewpoint makes 100% sense. I didn't say it didn't make (laughs) sense. We'll get to it later. Don't you worry. Okay, so uh, topic number two is Oilers and Ducks. Now, this series right here was a lot of fun to watch as the Ducks ended up taking the series in seven games, mm-hmm. much to the dismay of every person not in Anaheim watching the series. Yep. The Ducks somehow came together and beat the Oilers, who I really didn't see this coming because the Oilers were such a hot team. Even though they did struggle a bit against the Sharks, unlike the Ducks in their first round where they absolutely obliterated the Flames with... No hardship. And we're ready for the series. And even though the Ducks did come away in seven, the fact that the Oilers could play the Ducks where the Ducks were well-rested, they were the top seed, the Oilers just played the Stanley Cup, uh, the team who was in the Stanley Cup last year, and still won in six, not seven. The fact that the Oilers were a lot more tired and worn down than the Ducks were, and still able to bring this game to seven, I'd say was I'd say was almost as impressive as winning, almost, almost. Well, they didn't win, which is really disappointing. Disappointing because I, the Oilers were so close to making it happen, but just the game-winning goal, I believe it was Richie in Game Seven, 
off a turnover along the boards, and I mean, you can't let that happen. You got to get to the loose pucks, control the loose puck, and that was the series right there. Yeah, but, unfortunately. I mean, the Oilers really did not let, because even when they were down and they lost that game, if you lose game five, they lost game five. If you lose a game like that, where you're up 3 nothing with three minutes to go and you lose the game, the series should have been over in game six because the Oilers, I mean, they it was a completely different team. They come back and they score, what, uh, five, I believe, in the first, and then two in the second, uh, none in the third, if I remember correctly. But they put up a seven spot, seven to one in game six after completely blowing game five so hard yeah the fact that they could turn themselves around so quickly that was extremely impressive and then they had all the momentum going into game seven but the way that the ducks physically and skillfully counteracted their comeback attempt and i mean it's not like it was um it's not like it was a lopsided game i mean the the ducks did outshoot the oilers by six but it was pretty tight and even when the net was empty, the Oilers were putting on some decent pressure at the end of the game throughout the whole game. But the just the chances weren't there. The Ducks completely rebound. It's like the Oilers did a 180 from Game Five to Game Six, and the Ducks did a 180 from Game Six to Game Seven. So just the like the series, it would just like flip flop the dominating teams. Yeah, I just thought of, it was just insane the fact that. Like, the way that the Oilers blew the lead in Game 5. That was unreal. And then, well, there's that, but then immediately Game 6, they scored, like, four goals in the first period. Like, yeah. they completely, like... Yeah, I'm pretty it sure was it was, like, the four, best learning moment ever. The fact that they could lose such a crucial game while they were ahead and then come back in Game 6 and just embarrass the Ducks. Yeah, five like, in the first. I think that's more of a feat. I have nothing. Like, that's something that I can't say I've seen in a very long time. A team, like, blow a lead and then, like, come back from that. And not just come back, but, like, completely... Obliterate. Exactly. Like, that was something that I can't say I've seen in, a, in an extremely long time in the playoffs. And unfortunately, that wasn't enough for the Oilers to win, which I don't understand how. Because that seemed like it definitely had enough, especially because the Oilers were ahead for about half of the Game 7 anyway. They scored the first goal. They were up 1-0. The Ducks scored in the second, and then the Ducks scored again in the third. And the Oilers could not make it happen in the third period. And I guess that just shows how unpredictable they are. Cause yeah, when it got this to whole the, series. Because when it got to the third period, I was like, are they going to pull a Game 5 or a Game 6? The fact that you can refer back to previous games that had happened within the week on how the how they're actually going to play is just really interesting because I didn't know if they were going to come back and score like six goals or if they were going to do nothing, and unfortunately, it looks like they did nothing, which is not what I wanted at all. Yeah, I really did want the Oilers to win just based on the fact they haven't been on the playoffs, been in the playoffs in eleven years. So hopefully, this they don't pull a Panthers and be last again hopefully this is the the beginning of a really good consistent oilers team i'd say they still had a pretty successful run over yeah for not being in the playoffs for like pretty much every player lucic i believe is the only one on the roster that has stanley cup final experience or playoff experience in general because nobody 
I'd say like 97% of their roster Cam has Talbot no playoff. Has playoff or I don't know if he's ever played. Has no playoff experience. So you have a team that's going against the Ducks who who like literally everybody has been in the playoffs in game multiple game 7s but always lose. <laughs> and um they're just ready, they're strong, they're physical and the way that the Oilers were able to overcome that uh, to get to seven and then eventually lose, which kind of sucks. Yeah. But oh well. I mean, even though the Ducks did pull out and the Ducks are the ones advancing, I'd say the Oilers should still be extremely proud of the way they played in this series, in the playoffs, and all season. Kind of like the same, a same story for like the Maple Leafs. Even though they lost in the first round, I'd still say their season turned out much better than anyone expected. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm definitely surprised on the way that they were able to rebound. But still, I guess we'll just have to see what's in stock for the Oilers next year. Yeah. Okay. Very so. exciting. So we'll move on here from the West to the East with topic number three. We'll go on to the Rangers versus the Senators, which had an outcome that not many people were expecting. Yeah, I didn't. I, I mean, it was nice that the Senators won because they haven't been in the playoffs. They haven't had a lot of recent playoff success. First conference final since 07, and you guys know what happened then. Um, but I was actually – I was pulling the, for the Rangers because the king needs to – right now the king, Henrik Lundqvist, he's the king of losing because he's going nowhere. Oh, uh, he wow. needs to win the Stanley Cup, and I was hoping that this was the year because even though the Rangers were a wild card, they'd be like first in every other – uh, division except the central so but in, in the league so there they were up there even though they were a wild card and they had a definitely a solid team and it was not too like far-fetched for them to win the stanley cup but after so many years of disappointment and getting knocked out i mean at least they can make it past the second round but um yeah i was just pulling for the rangers on this one but the senators were able to exploit the Rangers at home. And in game two, the Rangers were... They blew uh, three two-goal leads in that game. So, Ottawa was always coming back. They blew out Ottawa 4-1 to one in both games at home, uh, games three and four. But the Senators stayed perfect on home ice throughout the series, and that's what killed the Rangers, was their inability to finish outside of MSG. Yeah, I was very mentally conflicted on who to root for in this series because on our last episode I said I want I thought the Rangers are going to win and I wanted to be right about that but in my bracket challenge I picked the Senators to beat the Rangers so I really didn't know if I could pull away with any victory and I mean the Senators won so I mean I guess I got those bracket challenge points but then I also thought they were going to lose so I don't I, I don't know how to feel about this in terms of me, but in terms of the Senators, they should feel fantastic. The fact that they were able to cruise through the uh, the first round and then play the Rangers, who had a lot of momentum after beating the uh, the Canadians and were supposedly the stronger team because they came out of the Metropolitan. But, like you said, they just could not finish what they started in this series. And I don't really think I wouldn't blame this on Henrik Lundqvist either. Although I oh well, yeah, like obviously I, would, I have a, I, I mean, have a great amount of respect for Henrik Lundqvist, but I don't think that like it was just him letting up goals that 
the defense did everything they could to stop. You know, it wasn't like the defense was giving their all 100% and Lundqvist was just letting pucks go. It wasn't like the offense was, like, giving up these easy turnovers to the Senators and they just left Lundqvist out to dry. Like, I think that he really, like, obviously Henrik Lundqvist wants a cup more than anybody. Well, I mean, that's that could be debated, but he wants a cup pretty badly. Yeah. As most NHL players do. But, unfortunately, I just don't think the defense and the offense was clicking for the Rangers the way it was in the first round against the Canadians. Mm-hmm. Because I almost thought, like, on paper, it's easier to play the Canadians than it is to play the Senators. Because the Canadians were the number one seed. And then the Senators are number two seed. Doesn't that mean that it got easier for the Rangers? I I mean, I thought. I thought that's what was going on, but I guess that's not what happened at all. It seems like a lot of us, after the Rangers beat the Canadians, we were just like, oh, so the Rangers are going to, like, make it to the conference finals. Like, most people kind of, like, ruled out the Senators like, early on, but clearly the Senators are not a team to mess around with anymore. I guess not. And I gotta say, I'm pretty surprised, but, I mean, what can you do? You know, like, the Senators have had a really, just like, a tough, heartfelt, like, honest season. You know, like, Craig Anderson went through a lot, and he finally came back after Mike Condon held down the crease, and he's had, he's his play has just been great since he's come back. And Clark McArthur, who, like, started playing, like, Clark McArthur started to play, like, right as the playoffs started. Yeah. Which is kind of great, because no one really thought he was going to play this season, and no one thought the Senators were going to make it past the first round anyway. So now that he, they just kind of got this, like, added boost of offense that they kind of forgot they even had. And everyone on the Senators is really just coming together as a team now. And it's really looking, I mean, it's looking really good for them. I gotta say, I'm surprised. Yeah, I mean, the Senators definitely, if they continue their play, and in the regular season, there's a bunch of like, oh, the, like going into the playoffs, oh, the Senators aren't gonna go far because their goal differential was negative in the regular season, and they're, uh, they're the only team in the playoffs with a regular season negative goal differential. We'll see, nothing in the regular season matters as we've seen most in this Stanley Cup playoffs. So if you compare anything to the regular season, it's usually um, it, like just not a bad fact. Because who cares if your goal differential is negative? I mean, you're still getting it done in the playoffs. Although there were a lot of high-scoring games. So, I mean, the Senators do want to, especially playing Pittsburgh, need to tighten up their D. So, But it's definitely... A great step for them. Oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, I, like, I don't think anyone really thought the Senators were going to make it this far, except for me and my bracket. But not even me in real life thought the Senators were going to make it this far. So, I mean, good for them, and we'll figure out how far they'll really make it later in the show. So, we'll, f- we'll finish it off here with topic number four, the Capitals and the Penguins, which was the, I, I'd say, the most publicized series. I don't know if that's a real word or not, but it was a series that got the most media attention because of the rich history behind the Capitals and the Penguins and the fact that they're like division rivals and they've always had rivalries and they played in the playoffs last year 
and the Penguins are looking for, to repeat the Cup, and the Capitals have had issues with getting out in the second round of the playoffs for a lot of years. And now it was really time to see this come down to it, you know? It was like Caps Pens happening all over again. Like, what was going to happen? And so, and I got to say, I'm a little disappointed that it went about exactly as everyone joked about. Good. As it went into about seven games, and unfortunately, or fortunately, fortunately. depending on who you are, um, the Capitals once again lost in the second round, and once again to the Penguins. So the Penguins did win in seven games and now are moving on. <laughs> like, how do you not laugh at that just a little bit? The fact that the Capitals blew it again. I was even rooting for the Capitals. And it's kind of funny. <laughs> it is the hilarious. The fact that they can be... Listen, there's so many different elements that you can laugh at about what happened. And I don't want to laugh at it, but I can't help myself, okay? I'm a human being. I'm going to laugh. The fact that, first of all, this happened last year. The Capitals won the President's Trophy, played the Penguins in the second round, and lost. And then it happened again this year. That's hilarious all in itself. And then you take into account that the Capitals have better players this year. And the same thing happened. That's also hilarious. On top of that, the third thing is that the Capitals were down 3-1. to one, And they came back. To tie up the series 3-3, and they still lost. Like, that is the like I was rooting for the Capitals over the Penguins, and that is still too much to not laugh at. Because if you are the Capitals, just watching your like your seasons get like torn apart over and over again by the same team in the same fashion, I don't even know what 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 they should do. Like, it's not like they have a bad team or anything. It's not like they like they need to go into rebuild mode. It's just like this one time in the second round in the playoffs against the Penguins where they just can't handle it. How are you supposed to even prep for something like that? I have no idea. What I do know, though, is that I honestly I do think both teams played a pretty stellar series, although obviously I have to give the Penguins the edge. The fact that they took the lead in the series, and then when momentum fell out of their hands, they still kept it together. Yeah, and the way that the Penguins were or the uh, Capitals were able to fight back after they had the three to one lead, but even when the uh, they they went to seven, you knew, you just knew that the Penguins were going to pull it off, because game sevens have not been kind to the Capitals. I think they've only won they're like two or three wins. I thought they were like 2-9 and nine or something in Game 7s. But it's just a horrible record. And the fact that they haven't been past the second round since, 2000, or since 1998. So we have not been alive to see the Capitals go past Round 2. And when they did, they got swept in the Stanley Cup Final. So Ooh. the Capitals have pretty much dumped. They got rid of pristine draft picks for Kevin Shattenkirk. And they also, you know, dumped some players for Oshie. They're going to have to maybe, you know what? Well, Oshie was a while ago. I mean, yeah, but still. But he didn't do anything either. And even 
Even Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7. Seven goals in Game 7, oh, or 7-0 seven and oh in Game 7s. Even he can't, like, even the Capitals bring him down in Game 7. So, the, um, the fact that the Capitals, once again, uh, proved that no matter how much, proved how gullible people were, because two President's Trophies in a row, two second-round chokes to the Penguins, and nothing has changed, and nor will it change unless their roster changes significantly. So, well, I don't even know, like, I don't even, I honestly don't even think it's the roster. Like, I legitimately do not know how they can fix this. Because they're so good at the regular season. Trade Ovechkin. That's, that would absolutely fix nothing. That's the dumbest thing you've ever said on this show. Trading Ovechkin. Oh, I'm sorry, trade Blow V. That's even worse. Oh, I was wrong. That's the dumbest thing you've ever said. You just outdid yourself. Clearly, Ovechkin is not the problem. Because of how amazing they do in the regular season. And even in the first round of the playoffs, although I guess they did fall like fall behind a couple games to the Leafs. But and I I guess like people are saying the President's Trophy doesn't really mean anything. It and means it's kinda true, other than I guess you can say you had the other President's Trophy. Other than to trophy. the Hawks who actually won. I mean that was good. I mean good for them. But then like I don't like I just don't know how to fix this problem for the Capitals. Because they don't have any other, like, they don't have any other issues. Like, they're, they're amazing during the regular season. President's Trophy two years in a row. They had they, they usually do good in the first round. Like, there's no, like, player change or coaching change or anything that I really understand or can back up with reason and facts that would lead the Capitals to not lose in the second round. Like, I just don't know. Because you can't blame something like that on a particular person if it just keeps happening over and over again. I mean, it's not his fault, but the f- this this play- like, this playoffs it kind of was, but previous ones it was just him and a team that can't perform and always chokes. Well, I don't even but, know. There, I honestly don't think there's anyone other than like how they played in the series in general. Like, I don't see a way that they can like fix a problem like this. You need to just get rid of your whole team and move to Vegas. That <laughs> that. Oh my god, everything, oh my god, if you don't do that, that's, I mean, I guess if they had all the same players, they'd probably do the same, but like, I don't know. Maybe you can be the Maple Leafs and change your jerseys and then do a complete 180. Well, the Capitals don't even need to do a 180. That's the problem. They they can do a 360 and then lose again in the second round. That's basically what a three, they need to do like a 365 or something where they go almost the exact same. And then somehow escape the second round without getting laughed at by us. Because this isn't really like a pro. Like, if they were like, oh, our defense has been poor all season. Well, then you can upgrade your defense. Well, oh, we, you we haven't been scoring a lot of goals. Well, I guess we got to upgrade our offense. They have no well, excuse. we do amazing in the regular season. We win the President's <laughs> Trophy, and then we lose in the second round of the same team every year. <laughs> That's not a problem you can fix. That's just, That's just like simply a- one team being better at everything than you are. That's just like, I don't know, like, there's no way to fix it. It's just funny that the Capitals can, like, be so good, yet embarrass themselves so much in the exact same time frames every season. I just don't get it. Because, I mean, like, I was rooting for the Capitals, too. I didn't want to see the Penguins win back-to-back cups. 
But, I do. But the Capitals, for some reason that I can't even explain, just can't don't have in the second round. I don't know why. I'll never know why. But for like I, it just it is may, so. I think funny. it bothers me because this is something that I can't figure out with like facts or like reasoning or like stats or something. Like normally, if it's like, oh, this team lost. Well, let's go see who underperformed and like which part of the ice was struggling. You can't really do that here if it just happens every season for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And multiple times to the Rangers too. Like I, that's the problem is I just can't. I don't have any like reasoning to back up why this happens, and that bothers me. But we'll move on here to best series of round two. My best series of round two goes to the Ducks and the Oilers. In the Pacific. One thing I gotta give credit to the Pacific for. They may be garbage in the regular season. But they always produce some of the best playoff series. I will give them that. Ducks and the Oilers went into seven. It was a hard fought battle all the way across. And you never really had your finger on who was going to pull away with the win. So I would go Ducks Oilers as the best series. Alright. My uh, best series is Senators Rangers. Just because there was... The, the domination of the Senators on home ice and going in MSG for Game 6 and getting it done. And um, the Rangers, especially in Game 6, were weak on the power play. Like The face-offs definitely hurt them as well, and the Senators were just controlling the puck really well. So the fact that the Senators, who were the underdogs in this series, were able to pull it off against the Rangers, although they had home ice advantage, let's be honest, they were the underdogs. But the, uh, the Senators going to get pummeled by Pittsburgh next, so we'll look forward to that. Yes, we will. So, let's move on here. We'll we'll hit you guys up with some more regular-ish news. So, move on to topic number five here. The Los Angeles Kings have traded Ben Bishop to the Stars for a fourth-round pick, and immediately after that, the Stars signed him to a six-year $30 million contract. $29.5 million contract. Yeah, I rounded up. Oh, whatever. Uh, anyway, Bishop to the Stars is exactly what they needed. This was like, this is gold right here. Ben Bishop is so much better than Lennon and Niemi because they were so trash and inconsistent this season. And I remember how they would just destroy my fantasy goalie stats. <laughs> and nobody would want to trade for them because they're garbage. You never know which one is going to start. And the one who starts chokes. And then the one that you kept on the bench ends up playing the rest of the game. And then you, you're stuck with one of their garbage stats in your roster. You know what I mean? So the inconsistency. And that was like... 60% of why the Stars got nowhere near the playoffs was because of their completely atrocious goaltending, which hopefully is fixed by this because the Stars have a more pristine roster than they made it out to be. Also injuries. Well, what's happening? So, do they have Bishop, Niemi, and Lettinen? Or is they like, need to dump. Well, I'm saying, like, is one of their contracts up, maybe? Like, I'd have to check. But does that mean, like... Because right now, assuming that all those goalies get re-signed, they do have three starting caliber goalies, right? Well, would you... I don't think... Well, who's to even say that Ben Bishop will start? Yeah, he's going to start for sure. You can just tell. Well, 
Ben why Bishop is more... Why don't we ask Lindy Ruff? <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> ouch. Well, here's the thing. Ben Bishop is the most qualified to start, but will he actually be the starter? That's the question on the table. I, I agree with you that Ben Bishop is most qualified to start, but do you really think he's going to start? Probably. I mean, and realistically... I would see him getting rotated in, and you can say that they're probably going to, you know, keep that three goalies, I guess. Like, one of their contracts has to be up. But either way, if their contracts are not up, I mean, Ben Bishop obviously is a clear steal. Stanley Cup final goaltender with the Lightning, who were so good up until this year, and... Ben Bishop just has what it takes. And it's not like the Stars are a bad team. It's just that they lacked... Keep in mind, they had lots of injuries this season, as well as subpar goaltending. So it just didn't work out for them well. And next year, I believe they can come back strong if they stay healthy and make some decent picks at the draft, because I believe they have the third-round pick. Um, or the third draft pick overall. Uh, Bishop can definitely help with that because he has proven himself to be a better goaltender than Letton and Aniemi combined. Well, here's the thing. Their contracts are not up. Both, yeah, that's what I both thought. Both Niemi and Letton's contracts will be up at the end of next season. So after the 2017-18 season, both of their contracts will be now, up. Now, do we see a buyout coming? I don't know if we see a buyout, but I definitely see the possibility that one of those two, either Niemi or Lightning, does get traded out. And I think this is the weirdest thing is that Lightning actually makes about a million dollars more than Niemi does. Lightning makes about five and a half million dollars a year, while Niemi makes about four and a half million dollars a year. And now Ben Bishop is making like $5 million a year too. They're spending a whole lot of their salary cap on goalies that they're not even going to play. So I don't know exactly what the plan is or if they're hoping to like get rid of one of those goaltenders because I don't know if they would spring for Ben Bishop if they have Niemi and Lettinen without any trade offers. You know? I mean, there's teams that can use them even though they suck. Like, the Coyotes, the Sabres... I mean, there's a lot of... That's what I'm saying. I feel like they wouldn't spring for this goalie unless one of those two or both of them were about to get shipped out. Canucks, maybe. Because other than that, why would they get Ben Bishop if it's just, like, another $5 million goaltender that's going to sit on your bench for two-thirds of the season? (laughs) You know? I don't know what they're going to do here. And also, a lot of... I heard a lot on social media, they were like... Why did the Kings trade Ben Bishop for one fourth-round pick? What was the point of that? I saw that a lot. But here's the thing. Because they have... I mean, they have quick. Well, they have quick, but that's not even if Ben Bishop was a free agent at the end of the season. It was either they traded him, or he just became a free agent. So they wanted to get something out so, of it because they knew they exactly they could they just wanted something because if they didn't trade him they would have just lost him and gotten and the, nothing. you know the stars pulled that they're like oh we want a Jamie Ben for uh, Bishop like nah we know what your scheme is 
Exactly. So the kings we couldn't really because the kings couldn't really ask for a whole lot because they knew that if they asked for too much, teams could be like, "We'll just wait until he's a free agent then, and then sign him." And then they might have to deal with like some more competition based on signing him. This way, they give up a fourth round pick and they don't have to have a bidding war over Ben Bishop. They just get him. So I mean, it's it's hard to find a middle ground between a player like Ben Bishop who's about to be a free agent. But I guess a fourth round pick couldn't hurt. They're about to lose Bishop anyway. Yep, that's true. So you might as well get what you can. It's not like, oh yeah, no word on whether Aginla's retiring or not. Maybe he'll go to a good team this year. Who knows? I mean, he definitely improved. Not really. He went from the Avalanche to the Kings. He went from out of the playoffs to out of the playoffs. That's all I'm concerned about. Well, the Avalanche were bottom five in the league. They were last. If you had to go on a team, would you go to the Avalanche or the Kings? They're the same. Nope. They're both out of the playoffs. Nope. They're exactly the same. That's not true. It is 100% So they answer the accurate. question. Well, which one did you pick? Topic number six. No, no, no. And would you go to the Avalanche or the Kings? If you were an NHL player, where would you go? That's what I thought. That's exact. See, again, upgraded. Now, clearly, it wasn't a great upgrade because he didn't make the playoffs this year either. But exactly he's, on the right, he's on the right track. He went from the Avalanche to the Kings. That is an upgrade. I would take it. Now, clearly, that is probably not what Aginla wants, and I'm sure he'll stay on the Kings for this season, too, if, if his contract allows him to, because the Kings are still playoff contenders. But if it's not working out, he'll either ask for another trade at the deadline or he'll just retire, like, halfway through the season. <laughs> the, I'd say it's a possibility. All right, so... Now we're going to topic number six. The Sabres have hired former Penguins assistant GM Jason Botterill as for, as a full-time GM. So the Sabres have a GM, not yet a coach, but... Uh, Baby steps. Yep, that's true. So the Sabres, I mean, do you really expect them to go anywhere this year? Nope. No. Nope, 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 Probably nope, not. Nope. They nope. got closer this year with Jack Eichel. A for effort. They're moving. I mean, Jack Eichel did get their whole coaching staff fired. Allegedly. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. But it has been talked about. It has been floating around the hockey world that we are a part of. And maybe that did. Maybe that was the case. Maybe Jack Eichel's the new head coach and they just haven't announced it yet. What do we know? But what we do know is now the Penguins assistant GM is going to the Sabres. Hopefully he can take some like Stanley Cup knowledge from the Penguins and waste it on the Sabres only for them to go, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe like 5-78 and 78 this season or something. 5-78. and 78. That, Hey, that would be a great record. I'm down for that. Would you be surprised? Not really. Nah. Unless so, we're talking about the Avalanche, then I wouldn't be surprised. So I guess we'll just have to see then who they have on deck to bring in as a coach. And I'm sure they had to get a GM to even find a coach in the first place. So it's probably the right thing to do. And the Penguins are a pretty good organization to come from. So, yep. So he, that's why they wanted to bring in that experience. Exactly. So I'd say this is a, a solid move by the Sabres. Definitely could have picked someone a lot. All right. So we're going to go to the best play of round two, which for me happened in the Senators-Rangers series in game one when Lundquist robs Mark Stone with the glove in the first period. So it was a shot from the corner. It bounced out in front, and there's a wide open net for Mark Stone, and Lundquist just reaches his glove back on the goal line. And makes a save. It was unreal. Stone needs to get that puck elevated because he's a big boy. And guys in the NHL, I mean, he's not a mite. He can throw that puck upstairs. I guess he got a little nonchalant or the pressure. 
uh, uh, of the defender on him. Whatever it was, it was still a spectacular save. And uh, one of the last great ones we're going to see of Hank this year. That is true. Rest in peace, Rangers in the playoffs. I will move on to my best play of round two, which goes to TJ Oshie, who we have not heard his name in the news since the Olympics. But in game six against the Penguins, he buried a fantastic one-timer on the power play to put the Capitals and the entire game on the board 1-0 after a great feed from Nicholas Backstrom on the power play. So that, in Game 6, brought that score from 0-0 to 1-0. And the Capitals did end up winning that game. So good for Oshie for getting the momentum started. Bad on the Capitals for not finishing the momentum in Game 7. Ha! So we will move on to topic number 7 here. Richard Panic of the Chicago Blackhawks agrees to a two-year contract with the Chicago Blackhawks. So he will be staying where they got swept in the playoffs this year. True. Um, Hopefully that the Hawks can get it together because that was really embarrassing. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. But Panic, he's that he comes from the Maple Leafs and the May. He was like in, the, in and out of the mi- he was in and out of the minors in the Maple Leafs. And when they first got him, I'm like, what are you doing? If this guy can't make it on the Maple Leafs, how is he going to make it on the Hawks? Little did anybody know he was he's a great depth guy. So definitely essential to the Hawks lineup. And hopefully we'll be seeing the Hawks not getting swept next year in the playoffs. I mean, I hope to see that too. But do we really know for sure right now? I guess not. But speaking of things we do know for sure, topic number eight, Penguins goaltender Matt Murray has been cleared to play and will be returning to the Stanley Cup playoffs. But unfortunately, he will not be returning as the starter as they have been very impressed with Mark Andre Fleury's play as of late. So Fleury is Matt Murraying Matt Murray. Ooh. And will now Matt Murray will now be backing up Fleury for this postseason. Uh well unless and well unless Fleury screws up big. But I mean I wouldn't be super worried. About. Remember those buyout talks, how the Penguins were like, oh, if you don't uh, if we're not going to be able to trade him by the deadline, we're going to buy him out. Now imagine if that happened and Matt Murray gets injured in the game, one warm-ups in the playoff opener. Uh, how screwed that they would be and they would probably not even be here. They would probably let... Low V probably would have gone to the third round. So the fact that Flurry was still here, not bought out, not traded, is really one of the only reasons that they're here. Well, not really. I mean, they still have an amazing team. But the way they're they're here and the way that they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have a better chance with Flurry than some third-string trash guy. Exactly. And I got to say, are they still going to buy him out? I think that's the question that's on my mind. Every time I see the Penguins play in this postseason, I'm like, man, I wonder if Flurry knows that they're going to buy him out or if just nobody told him or something. Like, he, sh- I would be surprised that he's playing to the best of his abilities after a death threat was put over his contract. And I wonder now, if he's led them this far, are they still going to buy out his contract? That's what I want to know. Because they just signed Matt Murray to a big fat new contract, but it looks like they're not using him. They used him all regular season. They're basically like Freaky Friday-ing reversing the roles they had last season 
where now Matt Murray is the one who's going to be sitting on the bench after he comes back from an injury, and Flurry will be the one in the spotlight. So that should be a lot of fun to watch. I don't know what exactly is going to happen with this goalie duo now. Because, like, you know, like, what's, what's going to happen for real? Like, are they going to... Like, what do you... Like, what do you think? Do you think that, like, Matt Murray is going to, like, end up playing later in the playoffs, or no? What do you think? Depending if Flurry screws up, I mean, he could let up, like, eight goals in one game, and then he can just be like, then then the Penguins are going to be like, nah, fam, you ain't going to play anymore. I feel like he'd have to mess up pretty bad. Okay, let up eight goals in three straight games, and then they'll be like, nah. I, well, if you let, I th- probably two straight games, I think. Or maybe like ten goals in one game. I mean you know that I mean? that's happened a lot this season. Or like five goals on four shots. So I mean, what I'm getting to here is that Flurry has definitely shown he is, although lost a starting job this season for pretty much the whole season to Matt Murray. Uh, well, they were kind of going back and forth, but I like I'd consider uh, Murray the starter for most of the season. That they just got proven flurry proved to them that he is definitely needed on this roster and I don't think he's going to get traded he's not going to get bought out I don't think because him and Murray I think can definitely get it done for a couple more years well him and Murray can get it done but in what order will they be starting that will be maybe it's going to be like a Dallas Stars scenario and then they're going to just get Bishop once his 6 years are up and then the Penguins are trash. So you know what I mean? It's going to be like this cycle where Bishop just goes to every team. I mean, maybe I hope that doesn't happen to Bishop, but also if Bishop went to the Penguins, I feel like he'd be pretty happy. True, cuz how can you not be happy with the Penguins right now unless you're the Capitals? Then you're probably not happy with the Penguins. <laughs> Ever in the past two second rounds. That is hilarious. So we'll move on to best player of round two. Obviously, we've had a lot of great players who have stepped up in round two. But who are they? Let's bring them to light. My best player of round two goes once again to Pecorine, as I said Wow, you're so diverse in your best player selection. I don't need to be diverse when people like Pecorine are performing at higher levels than they performed in their entire career. Well. Winning games. Hmm. Constantly. Over and over, defeating teams that were predicted to be better than them when they barely made the playoffs. Pecorine is the key to the success of the Predators. And that's why he's my best player of round two. My best player of round two goes to Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, five goals, eight assists in round two against the Ducks. And uh, in Wikipedia, they actually change, you know how they have like all the details. It's like, the owners of the Ducks, they changed that to Leon Dreisaitl, which was pretty funny. It only lasted for like 20 minutes, but still, that was funny. I mean, it only lasted until the Ducks won Game 7. Mm. But, either way, Leon Dreisaitl owns like a 5% share in the Ducks, probably. So, anyway. Um, yep, Leon Dreisaitl. Hat trick in Game 6. Like, the first Oilers hat trick in a really long time. So... Yeah, good for him for coming out of the dark and shining. And those orange traffic cone jerseys. Oh, boy. So, with topic number nine here, we'll go over the playoffs that are heading our way. We will cover the West and East. So, starting off with the Western Conference Final, which is the uh, the Hawks and the Ducks. I mean, uh, Predators uh, and the Ducks. Uh, 
I yeah, wish. I do. But, um, so the Predators, I hope, go to the Stanley Cup Final. So I'm going to predict, well, not only because I hope, but because I think they can. They've plowed through two amazing teams, as in the Blues are definitely good. And the Hawks are so much better and the fact that they swept the Hawks, partly because the Hawks just played like absolute trash, and partly because, you know, they're just stepped it up big time. That the, their defensive activation is so crucial as well. Um, guys like yeah, like I said before, Yossi too, and then there's also guys like even on the third pairing, Weber. But um the the Predators I think can pull through this series. And I'm going to say in six games, Nashville in six. Yeah, you know, obviously looking at the stats, it looks like the Ducks would win. But in every series the Predators have played so far, the stats were against them. And they still won. And it never took them seven games. It was never that hard of a mission for them. And I don't think the Ducks are really that much harder to beat than the Blackhawks would be. So the fact that they could sweep the Blackhawks... They've got the momentum of that series, now building off the momentum of beating the Blues. Also, with the Ducks being probably a lot more tired, considering this the um, the Predators series ended a few days ago, while the Ducks just finished on Wednesday, in a seven-game brawl with one of the youngest and hottest teams in the league. I don't know, I, I mean, the Western Conference and the Pacific Division has kind of had... A, like a habit of letting lower seeded teams end up sneaking their way to like the like the conference finals and then like to the Stanley Cup like last year the Sharks were a three seed and they still did it mm-hmm. so I mean it kind of looks like even though on paper it looks like the Ducks are gonna persevere I would have to go with the Predators and I'd say six as well I think is a safe bet yep I'm going to go Eastern Conference Final, the uh, Penguins and the Senators. Topic um, number 10. Oh, yeah, that's true. Topic number 10 is this. So, final topic of the day. But the, the um, I do believe that the Penguins can come out of the series based on their superior everything against the, the Senators. Yeah. They can definitely just overpower them. And maybe... Uh, you, you know, Crosby's a secret weapon because he, you know, he can go around and slashing, slash Mathot's finger off again, and uh, who knows, Crosby using that stick of fire to slash off everybody's finger, but besides that, the fact that Malkin leads the playoffs in points, and Flurry has been phenomenal, you know, there's been some high-scoring games against Anderson and the Senators, so they're... And yeah, maybe goal differential does come into play. Not really, but in the playoffs, it hasn't been supreme. So I do think the Penguins can uh, take care of this one fairly easily. I'm going to say five games. Yeah, I don't think it really should be that hard for the Penguins. Now, obviously, the Senators have had a great run so far, defeating teams they were expected to lose to. But that won't last forever. Like, they beat the Rangers, they beat the Bruins, but... I just don't think that streak of luck is going to last any longer than it has. The Penguins, Stanley Cup contenders, just beat the President's Trophy winning team. Clearly, when it comes to momentum, I'd say the Penguins are still ahead, and the Penguins are much more equipped to move forward on the playoffs. So I'd have to go Penguins in probably like three. I have five. five. <laughs> that was my mistake. My mistake. I'd probably say three. Five. Sorry, I'm, I'm slipping. I just The Senators really just have no chance. My All right. Mistake. 
So, our final segment of the day, Stanley Cup champion prediction. So, if you had, I guess, if you had to guess right now, you got about four choices. Who would you go with? And we're not going to hold you accountable for this. Well, we probably will. But if you had to go with a team. Penguins. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Penguins, Predators, Stanley Cup final. Penguins are going to win in, uh, in, I think, six or seven, I'd say. Something like, I don't know. See, here's the thing. I feel like in my heart, I do know the Penguins are probably going to repeat. And they're probably going to win another Stanley Cup. But I really... You're not am, talking about the Capitals here. When the, the Penguins are consistent, they can pull it Yeah, the, the Capitals are consistent too. Not really. Just for the wrong reasons. They're consistently losing in the second round. Ha. Huh. But technically they're just as consistent hey, as the Hey, give Penguins them some are. love. They lose in the first round just as much as the second round. Oh, man. Those poor Cavs. But either way, like it looks like the Penguins are going to win. If I had to like put money on it, I'd have to go with the Penguins. But I'm not going to be rooting for them at all. I'm definitely rooting against the Penguins because I just don't like when teams like repeat in the cup. Just because it's no fun. Like, that city already had a lot of fun. I feel like I would much rather see fans in Nashville celebrating. Uh, I, Anaheim, I don't know if I would want Anaheim fans celebrating. I feel like Nashville, though, like, they've got some of the... They've got just a great fan base. Trashville. And Pitt... Well, I mean, I guess. And... Pittsburgh, like, they just won last year. Like, they don't deserve to have any fun. They already won. Like, I feel like, like, I think with any team, even if, like, the Blackhawks won two years in a row, I feel like I'd almost feel bad. Like, no other team gets to have any fun. That's pretty funny, though. I mean, if it happened for the Blackhawks, I'd be pretty happy. But at the same time, I'd, like, it'd be, like, a little disappointed. Like, I know that when you win two Stanley Cups in a row... Basically, you will become, like, the most hated team in the league. Penguins already were not that much of a well-liked team because of Sidney Crosby. But when you win two cups in a row, it basically means that every other team in the league is just going to hate you. I guess. And that's good because everybody hated the Hawks, and then now they prove that they can choke just as well as anyone else. Exactly. But here's the thing. The Penguins are an extremely good team. I don't want everyone to hate the Penguins. If they win the cup, everyone's going to hate the Penguins. Probably me included, even though I'm saying it right now, I'll probably still complain on future episodes, but, like, either way, overall, I would still rather have, I think, any other team but the Penguins probably win, but unfortunately, it's not looking that way. It looks like the Penguins are going to pull ahead here, and that is going to wind out our episode for the day. Thank you guys so much for listening to our 69th episode. Make sure... You follow us on Twitter at Hockey underscore Topics and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hockey Topics to keep up with any uh, future episodes coming after the next round of the playoffs as well as occasional articles and news that we'll post. So you can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play, wherever you're listening. You can listen in two other places. You can find all of those links to all the social medias and places to listen on our website, HockeyTopics.com. So make sure if you're not already there, make sure you head there right now. And all of those links will be at the bottom. So we will see you guys after the playoffs. I'm Clayton Horwitz. With Ben Abraham. We'll see you guys uh, when we know who's going to play for the Stanley Cup.